Hello and welcome to the ABC Mission Partners podcast, the official podcast of African Bible Colleges. And I'm your host, Tim Kay. Broadcasting from living rooms and home offices during a global pandemic is not what we had in mind when we first thought of putting together an ABC podcast, but such are the strange times in which we are all living as we adjust and flex and pivot from our usual ways of operating. Now, we had been planning to launch a podcast this year as another way for our partners to keep up with all the latest things happening in the ministries of African Bible Colleges in Malawi, Uganda, and Liberia. Uh, but now we decided to go ahead and put this coronavirus episode together and get it out to you to let you know what's happening on all three of our campuses in Africa as we respond to daily changes in the circumstances in the world related to COVID-19. So first, a quick comment or two about the podcast itself, and then we'll get right into our ABC coronavirus update. Uh, The idea behind this show is to provide another format for you, our ministry partners, to stay informed about the ways that God is at work in Africa through the ministries of ABC. So what you'll find as you listen in the weeks and months ahead is reports and updates from our various ministries in Malawi, Uganda, and Liberia, as well as interviews with ABC students and alumni and with ABC faculty and staff, as well as other special guests. You'll learn about the opportunities and challenges challenges before us in our ministries, ways that you can pray for us, financial needs, and other opportunities to get involved. But now, let's get right into our topic for today. Our guest on the podcast today is not really a guest. It is the president of African Bible Colleges, Paul Chin Chin. And uh, I wanted to get Paul to talk to us today a little bit about what's going on globally with COVID-19, coronavirus, and how that's specifically how that's affecting uh, ABC in the three countries where we work. So, Paul, why don't you just talk about that, just kind of open-ended question. What's going on right now? I mean, we're, we're recording this on April 1st. What is the current situation? Well, thank you, Tim, and, and I appreciate you doing this. And I do want to give an update from, from all three of our campuses where we have uh, African Bible College uh, universities and ministries, Liberia, Malawi, Uganda, as well as updates from some of our other ministries. But I know over the years, we've dealt with a lot of difficult things in Africa. We've dealt with a civil war that lasted 17 years in Liberia. We've dealt with Ebola again in Liberia, but uh, Uganda has had its share of hardships with the invisible children and uh, Joseph uh, Kone and all of those issues. So we've seen hardships in Africa. We also, everyone lived through 9-11, that affected the world. But I would say equally so, this COVID-19 or coronavirus has been unsettling for everyone. There's a, a helplessness feeling about it. Uh, we, we put so much faith and dependence on government. We put so much faith and dependence on our medical systems, especially in America. And we think, and even let's add our military, we think between those three things, you can solve almost any problem and man has failed. So in the end, it's God alone. So I do think it does help refocus our faith. But at the same time, there's a a real concern for people in America have not faced this kind of feeling before. Uncertainty, it's it's an enemy you can't see, 
it's difficult to fight. And so we are praying for people here in the States. We have staff in America. We have an office in Jackson, Mississippi. We have a couple people that work for us in San Diego. We have you there in Georgia. Um, and so we do need to pray for our stateside staff, which America now is the most heavily affected country in the world, but uh, also our, our staff in Africa. And I'll talk about the issues that they're facing even though Africa as a continent remains probably the most lightly affected uh, compared to Asia, Middle East, Europe, and America. But it's coming. We're, we're hoping it will stay uh, uh, lightly affected, but who knows? Uh, other countries and regions thought that they were not going to be affected by this. I think that was America's first belief, and it spun on them quickly. So who knows when this will become or when it could become a bigger problem in Africa. We do need to ask people even now, you said it's April 1. So this is time, time urgent, time sensitive. We need people to start praying now that this doesn't become a big issue. And, and I'll start with uh, a report that I just got today with pictures from Mala Kowali, who runs our mission hospital in Malawi. I think that this will really refocus people's uh, idea of what they can pray for. And when we had the Ebola outbreak 2015, the uh, World Health Organization, WHO and uh, UN uh, Health also came in and put in containment units in case there was an Ebola uh, outbreak. If it spread, that's when it was in West Africa, Liberia, Sierra Leone. They had uh, 10,000 cases and 5,000 people died of Ebola in a very short period, about 12 months just between those two countries. So all of Africa was getting prepared. So they set up these isolation units in Blantyre and Lilongwe. And that's what the government has, has told us at our mission hospital in Malawi. They said, if you get a case, don't try to keep it there at your hospital, send it to our containment unit. So she sent me pictures today and it's sad. It's uh, pathetic. Yes, it would look like it was a nice unit when it was built. Now that would be 2014, 15, six, six years ago or so when they built these, but they've been totally uh, unkept since then, somewhat abandoned. They are say they've cleaned them up for use, but there's not even beds. They have rooms with no beds. There's no staffing. There was a long post by a lady, and I did ask Mala to check it because you don't want to believe everything on Facebook. She said, no, this is a, a, somebody that personal friends of ours knows. Um, and it was a real case of her daughter coming in from overseas and then putting her in the isolation unit in Blantyre. It was a nightmare. Uh, all that was there to take care of the girl overnight was a security guard. There was no healthcare workers. A doctor didn't show up for like 11 hours. They couldn't get the test back. She was getting eaten up by mosquitoes. All of that to say, in summary, that if this becomes a widespread epidemic in Africa like it has been in Asia Europe and America, oh gosh, we're in, we're in for a really difficult time. Yeah. So real quick, um, if, using that example you just gave of that, that containment facility person at this point would be far better off just to be at our mission hospital from the standpoint of the care for that person. Now, it yeah. wouldn't be safe in terms of spread, I guess, but no, there's no equipment. If you see the pictures of the room, <laughs> I mean, you would hope that an isolation unit for an Ebola patient, but now let's uh, coronavirus that you have some kind of equipment. There's nothing. One room had a bed. The rest were empty. 
Uh, there wasn't even toilet paper in the bathroom for the, and, and there's no toilet paper shortage in Africa like there is in America, by the way, right now. Uh, but they hadn't even bothered putting any toilet paper in the bathroom. I mean, she sent me pictures from the whole facility and I go, Amala, we can't send any of our patients there. Oh. She is going to go to the facility in Lilongwe tomorrow to make sure if we do get our first case. And by the way, they will come to our hospital. And, and that's another matter of prayer for people that listen to this is that we do run a very nice mission hospital in the capital city, Lilongwe. The entire catchment around Lilongwe with the capital is you'll hear numbers anywhere from 1 million to 2 million people, but there are bigger hospitals. So the government hospital, KCH, Kamuzu Central Hospital is huge. Waiula Hospital is big. There's a big Catholic hospital, but as far as a, a nice facility with updated equipment, people come to ABC. Uh, uh, not to say anything proud about it, but it's a nice, it's the nicest hospital in the capital city or one of the nicest one, certainly with equipment that works like a CAT scan and, and x-ray machines and so forth. The point is, if somebody did come in from, especially out of the country, a foreigner, they would come straight to our hospital. They're not going to go to the government hospitals first. And so we will get a case. If there's a case in the capital city, it is going to show up at our hospital. There's not a lot of other good options that are open, especially 24-7 like we are. So, yeah, yeah, we'll know more about that tomorrow. But all of that to say, that's one area to really pray for. God has spared Africa by and large. And I'll talk about each one of these countries. I have recent updates. And I'll start with Liberia. Real, real quick before you do that. So just to, just to sum that up, what you're saying, though, illustrates the fact that of how devastating it could be in, in many African countries, just in terms of the ability to take care of large numbers of people in yeah. the hospital setting. And, and let me make an important statement here. And, and I know that people know a lot about African Bible colleges and our universities, and they know we have Christian radio stations, but our hospital ministry is a very important ministry that shows the community, demonstrates the community that we care about them. Christ did the same thing just like Christ hardly ever taught anything in the scriptures without first taking care of people's physical needs. Sometimes he fed them. Sometimes he healed them. Sometimes he cried with them. Christ knew that people hurt and that they had physical needs, and he didn't address spiritual issues and their spiritual needs until those physical needs were taken care of. And so that's built in Malawi a tremendous amount of community, let's say, goodwill and appreciation and value for the mission of ABC as a whole, it has helped fill that community at one community outreach area. So it is highly appreciated, but that does mean we do need help. We do need um, uh, materials and resources, supplies. Uh, we need newer facilities. We're getting uh, not overrun, not overwhelmed, but we're getting crowded. Uh, last year, we saw over 75,000 patients. And so that means we always need new equipment. Those are things we can't buy. We can pay our staff and pay our utilities and pay for cleaning supplies and, and the normal upkeep of the hospital. But as far as new equipment facilities, that, that's money. It has to come from overseas. That's where we're supported. And that's where we need our people to be faithful and giving to that ministry. But the reason I bring that up is there's things that we can't get in Africa, like the COVID-19 testing kit. So a good friend of mine, Mike Grant, and he works, uh, he's uh, an executive with Abbott Laboratories, and they were in the news two or three days ago because they developed a rapid test for, 
for coronavirus. So I called him up. I said, Mike, I need you to get me a box of those. Uh, I don't trust the facilities that exist right now to give us a, a quick turnaround. We, we need to be able to run these rapid tests. So I contacted this, this roommate of mine from college and said, hey, Mike, I need a box to even 20 or 30 would help. At least, you know, when we think it's a foreigner coming in from overseas, we can test him at the hospital. He said, I can't access that. And he said, it, it, you know, he said, anything we produce is being uh, held for use here in the U.S. We need to start writing some congressmen or somebody because we're a, a, a U.S.-based mission organization. We do need access to tests like this that you can't get in other places. Uh, we could use a company like Abbott's help, even if they just sent us uh, 50 samples, at least we'd have something in stock to identify when a case comes to Malawi. Right now, the, the the message is there's still no cases in Malawi, but we would be one of the last countries on planet Earth without one if that was true. And 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 I do believe it's possible that it's true. Botswana just got their first case, I believe today. They reported four cases and one death. Up until today, they had said they had none. The Liberia, I think, is a really good example where they've only they've only had the three in Monrovia. And I'll start with Liberia as I talk about our three campuses. So Liberia had three cases in the capital city, and one of those has since tested negative. And then just today, they got three more cases on the border to Ivory Coast. Even Ivory Coast has a little bit over 100 cases, and, and supposedly all the borders are closed between countries. But these are <laughs> you know, many cases, just villages. It's just the footpaths. Uh, or dirt roads with no border posts. So rural Africa, you, it's impossible, impossible to stop people that are doing trading and buying and need things back and forth across the border to stop. So they found three people that came over from Ivory Coast tested positive. And so now they have six, um, so six cases. So how does that affect our college? Our college is actually in a good, safe place. It's up where the three borders meet at the, the northern tip of Liberia. You north, let's call it northeast corner. You have Ivory Coast, Guinea, and Liberia all coming to one, one corner. And that's right where our campus is and uh, up in the mountains, beautiful area. And so we had roughly 150, 160 students. And we actually made the decision to shut down that campus one day uh, before the government said, okay, all, all colleges need to, colleges and schools need to close. And they left that somewhat open-ended at first. Now they've put a date on of April 14. The schools can resume if they don't get new cases. So the three cases today, that, that was a message up until this morning. The three cases on the border from Ivory Coast are going to change things, obviously, a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if they extend that to the end of April. Our date for graduation was scheduled uh, middle of May. So Buzz has made the decision, uh, Dr. Beecham has made the decision with his staff that they will wait and reopen in August, even if the government reopens before the middle of May. They've given that message to the students to report back middle of August, and they will spend the first month making up that uh, they had already finished their midterm exams or into a second week, sorry, their first week of the second nine weeks. So they will finish up those eight weeks in a condensed format as soon as school opens, hopefully within a month or six weeks, finish up that semester and then continue on with the next semester. So he has a plan. 
basically the students and the staff have been furloughed until middle of August for that campus. Yeah, so so bring us up to, to the next campus. Um, yeah, so that's West Africa. Uh, the next campus I'll go to is the one in Uganda. Uh, our campus is only about 50 kilometers from from the actual equator. It's right on the outskirts of Kampala. Our address is Luboa, which is a nice neighborhood uh, right outside of the capital city on the highway going to uh, Entebbe, where the international airport is. So we actually, again, made the decision to close the campus literally hours before, I think it was a day and a half, before the president of Uganda, President Museveni, went on there and closed all universities and schools in the whole country for 30 days. We are very fortunate in Uganda because of the location of our campus. So we're somewhat close to the international airport. And uh, there is a, a beautiful grocery store right across the street, right out the front gate. So our staff has been able to get supplies. I spoke to Kurt Shimke this morning who's uh, somewhat the acting head right now. Dr. Tim Hoke is in Texas, who's the vice acting vice chancellor of that campus. Uh, but Kurt Shimke's there. He says, yes, we're able to walk across the street and get groceries, but they have shut down road traffic. We do have some missionaries that have left so far. The Knight family has left, and uh, David and Katie Spencer are on a flight on Friday. That's another U.S. Embassy charter flight. Yeah, so we do have, uh, but none of the staff are panicked, and I think that it really speaks highly of the quality of staff, the maturity. There is no panic among the remaining staff. Oh, oh goodness, get us out of here. Uh, they realize that Uganda is just as good and safe a place as anywhere. The students have been asked to leave the campus, but there are a number of students from Rwanda that weren't able to return uh, because the border was closed. And sadly, our Malawian students delayed one day <laughs> in getting out, which probably is a good thing because they would have to have gone through Kenya and Tanzania to get to Malawi. And most likely they would have been stranded in one of those countries. It so been- Malawian and Rwandan students are still on campus. Yeah, a few Ugandans that have jobs there on campus, but less than 25 have remained. And they're using Google Classroom. You were talking about that earlier. To keep- uh, I've, I've been bragging on our staff in Uganda because they spun that around quickly. Uh, I think they closed on a Friday, and by Tuesday, Wednesday, the next week, almost all the profs were back online with their students uh, using Google Classroom. And there have been some issues because it was done so quickly. But Google Classroom has been a great platform for most of the profs. A lot of it's being done on email. And right right now they're on track. But then we're... we're What I heard yesterday, I guess last night, I heard they had 44 cases in Uganda. Have you heard an update today on the number of confirmed cases? The number that Kurt gave me was 42. So that sounds about right. So from what you heard till today hasn't changed. Um, and he said most of those cases are foreigners coming in. In fact, I believe almost half of them, like 20 of them, were one, this Watoto Church. Have you heard about this? It was on a prior trip to Canada. So Watoto Church is a huge, as, as you know, a huge church in Uganda. And they'd had a choir in Canada. And I, I would guess in transit back uh, at an airport or at a the kids is a youth choir got infected. And so like 20 of them tested positive in that group alone, but, but they felt like most of the cases they've been able to isolate. So I'm sure they'll continue to monitor. 
Uganda has put in some of the strictest, most immediate measures of any country. And uh, uh, President Museveni really should be commended. He's seen what happens in other countries like, I mean, everyone knows Italy and Spain and other countries that waited too long. Um, so he, he's, they, I think they're in a good position. I, I think there will come a time when, when schools want to reopen. And I, I do think by May 1 that that's a possibility, but goodness, you know, no one has a crystal ball. But all of that to say the plan in Uganda, as far as it affecting the learning of the students, is being done online and most likely will continue like that for the rest of the semester. Mm-hmm. Okay. If, if public gatherings right now, public gatherings are limited to five people. So obviously we can't have graduation. So the plan would be to hold a graduation ceremony in August when we reopen. Lord willing, this is behind us by then. And so when school reopens, the seniors and their families would be invited back for graduation service at that time when all the students and staff are there to enjoy the graduation. So right. that, that would be the only really inconvenience to finishing the semester online if the country, country whether it's shut down or whether schools reopen, instead of calling everyone back, unless it happens really quickly, the plan is to just continue finishing the semester online because they're well into the second nine weeks right now. Yeah, yeah, great. So what about Malawi? How are things going academically there? With the- yeah, Malawi, we were able to time this with, uh, we readjusted their dates as far as the, the university for their spring breaks, what we call our Easter break. Uh, they get a two-week break, and we extended that by a third week. So that ends on the Monday after Easter, which is the 13th of April. It's unlikely schools and universities will be reopened at that time. So this morning I had a conversation with Dr. Maggie Madimbo, who's the vice chancellor of that campus. And they're beginning to, they're just in the early stages of looking into putting Google Classroom in place for their classes. We do want to continue and finish the semester. Seniors want to finish. Everyone who was, we had, uh, we actually, we broke right after they finished their midterm exam. So they're halfway through this semester. So they need uh, eight or nine weeks of work. And that's going to have to be done on online with Google Classroom. So though, because Malawi is completely unaffected at this point, if within 30 days schools are told to reopen, our students will come back and finish on the campus. But that will not happen by Monday the 13th. So our staff is being told each prof needs to start working to build their own Google Classroom for the courses that they're teaching. So they're ready to roll out on, on April 13th. So that's the plan there is, is to get open there right after Easter. That'll be great for sure. If, if we need to pray that the virus doesn't spread in Malawi and that, that can happen. Do, do we have a handful of international students in Malawi? So a few students that have not been able to go home we, we always have a couple, but I, I actually, uh, I, I know we have one Liberian in the master's program. I'm sure he's stranded there. So yes, we always have a, a one or two from Zambia or Tanzania or Zimbabwe. All of those are English speaking countries around us. Yes. The border, the borders got closed on people quicker than they thought. But again, Malawi is a good, safe place, nice campus. Nobody's in a hardship there. None of my staff are in a panic to leave Malawi uh, all of the staff are committed to finishing out the semester at the college. Right. And in addition to the college, we have the ABC Christian Academy, which runs. Yeah, so tell us about what's going on with the academy. Yeah, which starts at K-4. So we have four-year-old kids, kindergarten and first grade through 12th. So that, that staff spent 
uh, about a week, never shut the school down. Uh, a week while they were still teaching their normal classes, the teachers would meet in the afternoon and work on it in the evening. They put it together, a whole distance learning program, which uses everything you can think of that's electronic and even non-electronic. But they're sending videos to the, some of the teachers are teaching their classes, sending videos or uploading videos to YouTube for them to use. Uh, some of them are using Google Classroom. Some are using WhatsApp. Some are using email. And then they have for the younger grades where the kids are doing crafts and doing assignments, they have these what we call consumable books. So the students are able to take the consumable books home, but their assignments have to be graded. So once a week, that Friday is drop off and pick up day. The parents will drop off a packet, pick up the last week's assignments. Uh, all that's gone really, really good. Incredible how quickly and just shows you no, no management. Yes, you need people at the top to organize and have a plan and tell people this will work. You need to do it. But those each teacher had to put in a lot of work to make that happen. No one built some big distance learning program and, and, and landed that that spaceship at the academy. These teachers did it on their own. Uh, with some really good instruction. My wife, Laura, was very involved in developing the overall plan. So again, those teachers should be highly commended, the professional teachers. And by the way, a good mix of, uh, we have expatriates from probably, I'm going to say a dozen countries easily. We have a teacher from Spain, from Portugal, uh, from Lebanon, from uh, Italy, uh, plus African countries like South Africa, Zimbabwe, we have Malawian teachers, but also what I'm getting at, we also have our ABC graduates, at least a dozen of them that are either teachers or teacher's assistants uh, helping make all of that work. So I think if somebody really wants to see the effectiveness of African Bible colleges, especially let's say our education department, what kind of teachers we can produce and not just teachers, but administrators, go to ABC Christian Academy website and there follow them on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. So for our listeners, if you're not already connected with this on Instagram, it's the ABC Christian Academy mm-hmm. Instagram account. So just search for ABC Christian Academy. Yeah. Uh, there's also an Instagram account for African Bible colleges. You can search for that. There's yeah. Facebook pages as well for both of those uh, for any of our listeners would be interested in following that. Well, so, so what else, Paul, would you, would you have to share with us about the impact of, of this? Yeah. yeah situation? You can pray for is our radio and TV. We have four of those being used right now. I know in Malawi, they're doing multiple broadcasts every day, public service announcements about uh, coronavirus and how to prepare for it coming to Malawi and how to wash hands properly and the importance of hygiene. And so they're getting messages both from uh, WHO as well as the Malawi Ministry of Health is also putting out bulletins. So we're rebroadcasting those and taking things from uh, WHO and rebroadcasting those on radio. And uh, let me just say, and if you have other questions, it's fine, but I think in, in a summary message, when, when we went through, I would say the hardest time in ABC's history would have been the 17-year-long war that destroyed our campus in Liberia, and that had to be rebuilt. And it was my dad and my older brother, Dell that worked on that project, and their motto was, better than before. And I thought, man, I'll be happy if it's just the same as before. But sure enough, they went into every building, redesigned it, 
okay, what, what, what extra space did we need in here? How should we re redesign each building? So, but it wasn't just the facilities. We had container loads of things donated from the States so our students now had imported beds from America. We had, instead of no one having a computer, we went to that Liberia campus has three computer labs. And so um, all of those things were very helpful. And in the end, when, when the president of Liberia came up there, Ellen Sirleaf Johnson, who won the Nobel Peace Prize, she came to the opening, the reopening of ABC after the war, after it had been rebuilt better than before. And she said, this is an example to the whole country of Liberia. You, you people here at ABC, you're an example to everybody that things don't have to be worse after the war. They can be done better. And it was a very glorifying statement to God's work. And I think that's what we're supposed to represent everything we do, do it with excellence. Paul talks about that. But as we come out on the other side of this COVID-19, we want to come out better than before. And in a lot of different ways, spiritually stronger, more confident in, in God alone, not government, not military, not our hospitals. They've all left everyone feeling unsettled and helpless. And so our faith is in Christ alone. But also, what can we do at our campuses that will make us better institutions, putting out better Christian leaders? And that, that's going to start with getting a laptop in everyone's hands. So if there's one message to people that love and appreciate and support ABC is uh, send us $300 so we can buy a laptop and get them in the hands of our students. That's going to be my message before this is all done. So we can continue, whether they're on campus, off campus, in another country, we can have people doing online learning everything. Yeah. Well, so I think that that whole theme of better than before is a great is a great place to sum this, uh, this yeah. episode up for, for today. And it's a great testimony of the leadership of your father and mother before you. And now, as ABC continues to go forward, that we want that to be the case. We want to do things with excellence to the glory of God. And coming out of this out of this uh, global pandemic, we can have the opportunity for our ministries to move forward, uh, not just as well as before, but better than before. That's great um, for God's glory. That's excellent. Well, thanks a lot for your time today, Paul, with everything going on to share uh, with our listeners about what's going on in specifically in relation to COVID-19. It's been great to hear from you. Appreciate it. And we'll, we'll, we'll all be praying that this thing will end soon. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. God bless. Thanks again to all our partners for listening today. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that when our next episode comes out in a week or so, you'll be able to listen in again. And please share the show with anyone whom you think might be interested in learning more about the ways that lives are being transformed by the gospel of Jesus in Africa through the students, alumni, faculty, and staff of ABC. Feel free also to leave us a comment. And finally, to learn more about the ministries of ABC, visit us on the World Wide Web at AfricanBibleColleges.com. Thanks.